just make sure that you have a good understanding, I guess, of what your your child or your student is going through. Because if you do not, it's going to have um, it's going to have an impact on their their, their self worth and their 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 sense of uh, being as well. Well, well, welcome to Some Stutter Law, Newfoundland Labrador's first podcast about stuttering. My name is Greg O'Grady, and I am the chair of the Newfoundland Labrador Stuttering Association and a co-host of Some Stutter Law, Newfoundland Labrador's first podcast about stuttering, along with my co-host. My name is Caitlin Mayo. I'm a student and an aspiring speech-language pathologist, and I am Greg's co-host on Some Stutter Law podcast. Some, uh, some, uh, some stutter law mission is dismantling and rebuilding stuttering, let's start listening. Some stutter law uh, mandate is in the spirit of Newfoundland Labrador humor, robust and frank interactive discussions, some stutter law podcast aims to rebuild confidence and hope for today's and tomorrow's persons who happen to stutter by dismantling and stuttering myths, stigmas, stereotypes, and barriers. The objectives of Some Stutter Love podcasts are supporting raising awareness and increasing understanding and acceptance of stuttering, providing people who stutter, their families, professionals, students, and the general public with current information, research, and resources about stuttering, and promoting the NLSA mission of advocacy and support for people who stutter. On, on, uh... Today's uh, uh, Some Stutter Law uh, podcast, we, uh, we, we would like to welcome Jonathan Garrison. And uh, Jonathan is both a person who stutters and a, a speech language pathologist. So uh, Jonathan, would, uh, would you like to, to share a little bit about your story as a person who stutters as well as an, an, a speech language pathologist? Yeah, sure, Greg. That's that's not a problem. Um, I developed a stutter when I was uh, around five or six years old, um, and uh, it happened. Uh, I started. I had some normal speech disfluency prior to that, and when I went through a traumatic event as a child, my mother passed away. Uh, the stuttering um, became became quite atypical. So I started repeating sounds. I started prolonging words. Uh, I started to block a little bit as well. <clears throat> so um, I went through all of my primary, elementary, and high school years with uh, with quite a severe stutter. Um, and like yourself, Greg, I know that you mentioned this before, I was very much a covert stutterer. So uh, I would avoid uh, as much as I possibly could, as many speaking hit the situations as I could, uh, as many words as I found um, as many words as I could that I knew I was going to stutter on. So I would just avoid everything. And um, then when I got to university, I, um, I uh, um, decided that it would be a good idea to see a speech pathologist because at that point I was doing a psychology degree and I was required to get up and speak. And there were courses that I actually dropped out of because I found out on the syllabus that I would have to get up and present in front of class. So those were the early years, like, if I got the, the syllabus and I was like, oh man, I had to present, I would actually, there was a few courses I actually dropped. So um, 
I decided to see a speech language pathologist probably my uh, fourth year of university. And um, uh, the speech pathologist I saw, she was uh, uh, at Western Health in Cor Corner Brook. <clears throat> um, she was an excellent SLP. She taught me some really good fluency enhancing techniques. Uh, she built up my co confidence as a speaker and she really encouraged me to get into the field of speech pathology. Um, and her name's actually Corinne. She was, she, she's a great SLP. I just want to put that out there <laughs> because she's the reason why I decided to go this route in my life. That SLP and uh, um, my honors supervisor as well, uh, Peter Stewart, um, he kind of encouraged me to go ahead and uh, go into SLP. So I just want to put put his name in there as well. <laughs> mm. so, uh, John, like uh, you know, I'm 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 you know I'm wondering now, like in terms of your comfort level with your own stuttering. Where, you know, where are you now in terms of, you know, from one to ten? One is is, is not acceptance. Ten, you're accepting. What number would would you give yourself? One is not acceptance, and ten is accepting. Correct. Well, let's um, let's go back probably ten years or so uh, prior to starting my graduate program. I would put that at about a four or five. Um, I was nowhere near acceptance. I would be about an eight right now. Uh, I'm almost there, but some days I get up and I'm like, man, this is terrible. You know, I haven't totally accepted it quite yet. And I was talking to, um, I was talking to one of my mentors from graduate school. He's also a male SLP who stutters. I was chatting with him um, earlier on this week. I sent him an email and he asked me, so John, like what, what works for you now? Like, in terms of uh, your, your fluency, like, uh, ha have you accepted it? Do you use your techniques? And I said, I do. I still use my techniques. I haven't fully accepted it, but if I'm getting some much needed R and R, I find my fluency is, you know, is excellent. And I'm, I'm towards that acceptance. It all depends on the day too, Greg. Some days I wake up and I don't feel like I fully accepted it. And other days I, I wake up and I fully accepted it. So that's why I put it at an eight. Now, now, now this, um, this, SLP who I had as a mentor, he's, he's 10 now, you know, like he's, he's dealt with, uh, dis, disfluency for most of his life and he doesn't really apply the techniques much anymore. Uh, he doesn't really have the, um, emotions around the stuttering. He just said, you know, so much needed R and R, and R, 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 R and I'm great. You know, I feel great with it. I feel hundred percent. So yeah, but but for me, Greg, it all and, depends on the day. You know, it all depends on the day. Like some days I'm a five, some days I'm a ten. So if you go in between, it's like a seven or an eight. <laughs> I'm also no with, with regards to the anxiety level. What where, where would you score yourself, or is it the same as the fluid? Is it all depends on on the day to day anxiety associated with stuttering? Like I feel like I have more probably general anxiety than most people do. Uh, um, I, I would say that my anxiety level, regardless of um, if I'm required to get up and present or regardless if I'm required to do a podcast, any given day is, you know, it's up there. I, I don't know where it would be, but I, I always feel this heightened level of anxiety. And I feel like it is a result of the stutter. 
and having to deal with it for so many years. That's why I got this constant level of anxiety, even if I'm not required to get up there and speak. It's all there. It's, it's there, right? It's up there every day. My wife keeps telling me just to calm down sometimes, right? <laughs> she, regardless, because I get on her nerves anyway, but she's always telling me to calm down, John, like your, your brain, you're, you know, you're running a mile a minute. Your brain is running a mile a minute. It's, it's constantly going. You're not, you don't stop. Like you're always, and that's my anxiety. It's my anxiety. You know, it's, it's the anxiety that I've had to deal with as a result of this. I know it is. You know, because it wasn't it's interesting, Greg, it was a constant thing with my friends, you know, like I, I think about I go back to my childhood and I think about the amount of anxiety that I felt every single day getting up and, you know, OK, I I need to be fluent around my friends. What am I going to do today? I don't have any techniques. I'm just going to avoid as much as I can. OK, I'm just going to avoid, avoid, avoid. And hopefully they're not going to choose me to talk. Ho ho hopefully no one's going to talk to me. So that's where it came from, you know. And that's where I that's where I am now. It's not quite as the anxiety le level isn't quite as high as what it used to be, but it's still there. The anxiety is still there. You know, like it, it's it, it's interesting, Jonathan. You know, for some reason or another, I've been asking myself the question within the last few days. What what does it feel like? I'm going to ask you and I'm going to ask Caitlin the same question. What what does it feel like to, to feel normal? You know, in terms of like we, we as, you know, we have a normal routine. We, we get up in the morning, we make ourselves coffee, breakfast, go to work. But there's always this angst and, and, and you, you know, you, you, you know, you, you, you know, you, you alluded to this earlier that there's always this un underlying general anxiety. So, so how would you feel? Do you agree with that, John, that affects in terms of someone's feeling normal, whatever normal is? What was your thoughts about that? What does it feel like to be normal as a person who stutters? Greg, I don't know if I, I know what it feels like to be normal as a person who stutters. That's the thing. <laughs> right? I don't, as, as a person who stutters, what, what it means to be normal, I don't, I, I, if I had, if I had that, um, the thing is, like, I don't know, Greg, if I would want to get up tomorrow and just uh, magically be a person who does not stutter. I don't know if I would want that. But I think being a person who does not stutter would be normal to me. <laughs> right? I don't know. Right? I, I would feel I, – I haven't felt normal. I just – I don't know what it's like to feel nor normal because I get up every day and I'm, I have to monitor my speech constantly still. I'm still doing it, right, after all these years. To be normal as a, a person who stutters – I feel Greg would, would be um, accepting your stutter, which I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent there yet. Right. And I do have that leveling of anxiety and Greg, I'm sure you feel kind of the same way as me. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh definitely John, because it, it's just, there's just this, this constant uh, cloud of, over your head. You know what I mean? And uh, because I mean, there's, you know, well, and, and, and this is a problem. Like when I have my, my 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 good days of, of being like a, 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 I'm able to manage my stuttering, that causes anxiety as well because I'm not used to that. So I love so really it's it's like a double-edged sword. We don't know if we're normal or not normal. Right. So Caitlin, as a non-stutter, you know what you know what's your definition of feeling normal? <laughs> I don't know if I have a definition. I mean, 
in terms of my speech, I'm normal, I guess, but I don't think, I don't think normal exists. I don't, there's, I don't even know how to, how to describe it. <laughs> there's, there's no real normal. There's, there's norms that people put in place, but I don't know that that's normal. I don't know. <laughs> So when you know when you so so when you know when you get up in the morning, Caitlin, you have no anxiety about answering the telephones or talking to people, going um, to meetings, introducing yourself, or. No. I mean, I'm probably not the best person to ask this question to, um, because though I don't have any sort of fluency disorder, communication disorder, anything like that, I've had my own experiences with like anxiety disorders and social anxiety disorders, so. I, I've also had those fears and those anxieties not related to my speech, but just in general. Um, but I, I, I also don't know what it feels like to wake up and not be afraid to talk on the phone or introduce myself, but for different reasons. So there, there really is no normal. Everybody's just struggling the same way, but in different ways. I don't know. <laughs> it's a difficult concept to try and conceptualize. Oh, oh uh, that definitely. Kaylee, I mean, so, so, I mean, this is a, a question that popped in my mind recently, and I thought, well, I'll, I'll start asking the question. And, uh, I mean, from a person who starts a, a perspective, you know? Now, uh, uh, John, like, you know, you, you know, you, you know, you had mentioned earlier that, that, that you had taken the fluency shaping program and as, as a client. Now, just to let you know, just let our listeners know, John went back as an SLP to, to take the fluency shaping program, uh, the, you know, the certification fluency plus program through the Speech and Stuttering Institute. So John, would, would you like to share a little bit about this program that, uh, that, you, uh, that you recently uh, graduate, graduated from? Right, yeah, so it was a three-day three workshop offered through the SSI. And um, it was, uh, you know, um, it was for school age uh, students who stutter. And uh, I just want to say that I, I really enjoyed the, pro the program. There were a variety of targets that the instructor taught us. I uh, forget her name now, but she was excellent. Uh, Greg, not sure if you know her name, do you? Uh, Mar Mar Marcy is her name, is that right? No, uh, Marnie, Marnie. Marnie, not Marcy, Marnie, Marnie. right. So we, uh, we actually had some great hands-on experience with uh, a variety of fluency targets. And um, I really liked the way that the, uh, the targets progressed, right? It, um, I really enjoyed that. And um, I like how there was also an em emphasis on, um, you know, the emotions of a person who stutters as well. Um, the, pro the program really looks at uh, the things that are underneath the iceberg that you can't see, in addition to giving clients those uh, fluency shaping techniques as well. So uh, I just want to say that I, I absolutely loved the, pro the program and uh, I'm going to implement this with um, some of my school age students who stutter next year for sure. And I mean, there, you know, there was uh, 17 speech language pathologists from our province that actually uh, Took you know took the program last month, and uh, this this is a big step for you know for bringing a specialized speech therapy program to uh, to our province. And I mean so so this is a big step. Wouldn't you agree, John? It is. Yeah, it's it's, cer it's certainly a 
a huge step. And I mean, uh, actually have a pro a program um, in your your toolkit as well that that you could um, you you can actually like see sequen sequentially work through with uh, students who stutter is great. I mean, it's the only it's the only um, the only program per se that I'm trained in, other than the um, the fluency uh, info that I learned in grad school. And uh, I just want to say that I absolutely love the program. The course was excellent. Yeah, uh, taking the program as a, a person who stutters as a client, and uh, you know, uh, taking the program and being certified in the program as a professional SLP, has it changed your perspective anything about the Fluency Plus program? Fluency Plus, um, it has changed my perspective, I guess, about the way, uh, or I guess about the uh, the sequence I apply um, tar targets with my, my students. Um, I'm just trying, I'm trying to think now, it's to actually have a program that, that you're able to work through with a student is a great thing, is a great thing, right? You don't, you don't just give the child a technique and expect them to master it initially, right? You, you kind of, you kind of, uh, you build up a skill in that one particular tar tar target, which is great. I don't know if I answered the question. What was the question again, Greg? <laughs> oh yeah, you, uh, like, you know, uh, taking the program as a person who stutters and right. now, you know, taking taking the program and being certified in the program as a professional SLP. Right, no, it's great. It's great because I'm actually oh, okay. Yeah, so I missed that. I'm sorry about that. So um, it's great because I'm I'm actually using some of the techniques that I've learned from the pro the program to uh, enhance my own fluency as well, Greg. And I've actually um, I've tried some of the techniques with my students as well. Like I haven't really implemented the program per se, but I've, I've taken various things out of the pro program and I've used them with my students. Now, if I have a fresh student next year with a moderate to severe fluency disorder, then I'm going to work, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to work um, in a se se sequential fashion. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to um, go from start to finish with regards to the program. That's the plan. I don't feel like I really have an, as, uh, um, as much time um, as I would like now, because I have three more months left, right? June is around the corner. So, um, I get some fresh students in next year, then, uh, I'm, I'm going to start to start them off with that. So, uh, uh Caitlin, do you have any questions now for Jonathan? Um, gosh, there's so many I could ask, <laughs> I guess just as somebody who's very well versed in the experiences of people who stutter and has an SLP and everything like that. What's like one thing you would want to tell the public about stuttering? One thing I want to tell the public about stuttering. I, I would like to say that, I guess, depending on the age of the child, I mean, child is eight or nine years old, for example, has a moderate to severe stutter. I, I would like to tell the public that it is a, a lifelong experience. Like myself and Greg, you know, we're still going through it every single day. I haven't fully accept, accepted it yet. Um, Greg is not entirely there yet either, right, Greg? I, I want to tell them that it, it is a lifelong experience. So true, so true. <laughs> right? It is a lifelong experience, and, you know, stuttering does have uh, ne negative co consequences, but um, a lot of, like, po positives come out of it as well. Like, um, 
a positive being for myself. I went off to grad school and I decided to help out other students or other kids um, who, who stutter, who have a fluency issue. So, you know, it's lifelong. Um, just make sure that you have a good understanding, I guess, of what your, your child or your student is going through. Because if you do not, it's going to have, um, it's going to have an impact on their, their, their self-worth and their, their, their sense of uh, be, being as well. So, Jonathan, as a person who stutters and who is married, do you feel that stuttering can, you know, can affect your relationship or do you feel that spouses, significant others fully understand the severity of stuttering? Now, Greg, that's a really excellent quick question. And um, I'm finding myself, I'm stuttering more now than I would around my wife because we're doing this podcast. And I told myself this morning that I would just let it go because I, I want everyone to see or to hear, sorry, what the real John Garson is like. Now, when I go upstairs and I chat with my wife, do I use fluency enhancing techniques from time to time? Yes, I do. So does, does my wife have a true understanding, I guess, of what's going on? with my stuttering every day, she probably doesn't. <laughs> right? So, I mean, how has it affected, has it affected our relationship anyway? Um, other than getting my wife to ask for a bagel at the Tim Hortons drive-through from time to time. No, it hasn't. <laughs> Cause I've done that on a few occasions. Oh man, I still do it. And you know, I, I, I mentioned this before, Greg, this is the, the bagel analogy and I, I still do this when I go through the drive-thru I'll ask for you know if I go to Tim Hortons for example can I have a large coffee with two sugar one cream and can I have a toasted everything bagel with butter I always struggle with those hard bees that that bee right <laughs> we struggle with that bee so there have been there have been occasions where I ask my wife to finish it off for me and I'm a speech pathologist and a person who stutters because I just could not deal with it at that moment I'll say Victoria can you please ask for the bagel <laughs> so uh other than you know, that, really, it hasn't affected us and victoria is such uh she's such a great spouse she understands what i go through and greg she actually went to uh mount pearl she went to our first stuttering conference uh last year was it last year or the year before now i can't remember 2000 when, when uh, two, two thousand and uh 2019 john it's amazing and she has Right. And, and, and uh, as a person who does not stutter, Greg, she thought it was uh, a very like heartwarming experience. Um, you know, shed a few tears during, during it as well. Uh, it really touched her. And I think that has actually helped her understand me as a person and as a person who stutters a little more. So, right. That's you know, uh, well, I'm, exposure. I'm laughing, laughing, to, I'm laughing to myself, Jonathan, because when, when, you know, when you're talking about the, uh, the the B sound the uh, the fricative sound in bagel yeah uh, you know like I hate your name Jonathan because I've been <laughs> so stuttering on your the J you know yeah. Jonathan and uh, it's interesting I'm finding now that I've also taken the fluency plus program as a client I find doing this podcast as well has been quite challenging because I've always been like uh, trying to hide my stuttering and this is and and it's so ironic. If, if I've even been trying to hide my stuttering in some stutter podcast, it's nothing that right here, you know what I mean? <laughs> but 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 I find this is very challenging as well because I'm letting my stuttering come out as well, you know. 
And it's, it's a whole mindset. It really is. It is a whole mindset. I, I, I feel like um, I've no, I've no, noticed you stutter a little more as well, Greg, because uh, you just want to let it go as well, and you want others who hear this to to uh, uh, understand who you know the real Greg O'Grady is. This is the real John Garson. You know, like I'm not using my fluency enhancing techniques right now. I'm just I'm letting it go. It is what it is. I'm a person who stutters, and I wanted to do that today. And then, you know, and, and Jonathan, it's, it's so true. And this is what I've been doing since the podcast started, you know, and we were so unusual and, and it feels so uncomfortable because I'm so used to trying to be uh, covert or trying to hide my stuttering. But anyhow, but, but it's true. I mean, it's all, it's all part of the journey, all part of the journey. Jonathan, I'm I'm uh, wondering now, like uh, working, you know, working, uh, you know, working uh, within the school system. What you know, what are their, uh, you know, what are your challenges, if any, uh, with 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 you working with your clientele, your your students, and and, uh, and parents. And you know, is, is are there any challenges within the system that makes your life easier as an SLP or causes a little bit of a challenge? servicing your clients. Right. So I guess in terms of, um, in terms of helping the kids who stutter, I feel like I have like an innate understanding, I guess, of fluency because I dealt with it. I went through it during the primary and elementary years. So I kind of understand what they're going through. I understand their frustrations with their speech, those sorts of things. So I feel, I feel like, you know, the fact that I have a speech, um, I know we referred to this last time, the fact that I have a speech difference and not an impediment, sorry, I feel like, um, you know, I can really help those kids out. Uh, in terms of it being a challenge, in terms of my disfluency being a challenge, uh, I never stutter around the kids. I don't know what it is. I mean, I won't even use the fluency enhancing techniques uh, around my students. I just don't stutter <laughs> because I know they're like me. They either have an articulation disorder they have a fluency disorder or they have a, a language impairment. So I know that those kids are struggling as well. And, you know, I just, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm, lo I'm looking at myself sometimes, right? Cause I, I, I went through the exact same thing. And I try my best to see them uh, week, week, weekly, whether that is um, direct in the school in per, per person or via um, Skype. And uh, how do you, do you find, you know, Providing therapy via social media like Skype, Skype, do you find it it's a challenge or? Yeah, it can be a challenge, especially with the young kids. You know, uh, the the children in K grade grade one. Most times, they just want to. Especially like I, I got really good at it last year when I was doing uh, th therapy online, and you know, some kids will just take the iPad or whatever device they're using and and uh, and give you a guided tour of their house rather than doing speech therapy. So, right. So it, it uh, de depending on the age, it has, uh, it has been a bit of a struggle, but you need to be as creative as you possibly can with these kids to keep them engaged. If you're not cre creative and on your toes all the time online, it's just not going to work, right? So um, I've, been, uh, I've been as creative as I could possibly be over the past year or so doing the online therapy. 
you know, like I've uh, structured articulation activities around uh, scavenger hunts. Um, I played, like Simon says, I've been doing like uh, little uh, physical activities in between uh, articulation drills. <laughs> so just to keep their, their brains going and their minds going. So it's worked out well, uh, but certainly there has been a challenge. You know, it has been a challenge in terms of sometimes not getting the audio uh, correctly from their side or I'll get a video lag. But I mean, um, it works with, I, I would say, most kids. One-on-one -on -one is great. Groups, not not so much. And you can't really do groups online. I, I haven't tried it, but I I, uh, I don't think I would. Just way too many variables to consider, right, when you have groups. Like uh, like in terms of the parents now, John, how, 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 how are you as a speech-language pathologist involving and supporting the parents in, in the treatment of your students? Right. So, yeah. So in terms... Um, so if you take a child with a fluency disorder, for example, especially if that child is quite young um, in kindergarten, grade one, you have to take the home environment into consideration as well. So I will reach out to uh, parents of children who stutter um, as much as I can um, and uh, I guess provide them with some activities that they, they can do at home and uh, some environmental mod mod modifications as well. Uh, you know, I'll tell them to slow down around their kids um, to facilitate flu fluency, like slow their speech rate down, uh, comment more than quick question. And I know that we're all gu guilty of this here on the island. Like we talk really fast, extremely, extremely fast. So telling parents to kind of slow their speech rate around their kids <laughs> is, is pretty tough, right? It is really tough and, and asking them to comment more. And we also question here in Newfoundland a lot more than we comment, right? We're always asking questions. So, uh, you know, some environmental um, mod mod modification techniques um, in addition to really getting uh, the parents to, uh, to, uh, to understand what it's like to have a stutter, right? And and in in, in ter terms with uh, you know working you know working with the teachers because uh, oh I assume that when you know when you're working with a student who stutters the parents who stutters the teachers how, how, you know how how do you involve the the the, you know, the teachers in the in this therapeutic relationship? Well, I'll approach. Um, I've done this with a couple of teachers in the past. If the the teacher has a student who stutters in the classroom you really want to uh, cut down on the amount of i guess in class demands on that student so in terms of uh, asking the student a question in class that student may not want to be asked a, a, a question in class so um i would consult with that student first to see if if that is okay if he feels or he or she feels okay being asked a, qu a question in class in the classroom environment because that in itself creates a lot of anxiety for that student if they know that they're going to be asked a question every now and then so i will i will then approach that uh, teacher and say you know like so and so probably does doesn't want to be asked a question in the context of, of the classroom is there anything else that we can do to assess their on understanding right of what's going on in this in this course i'll do that and um I'll, i guess i'll go over the same um the same tips that i would 
go through with a, a parent, you know, slowing the rate of speech. Um, <clears throat> just, just trying to, uh, you know, cut down on those in-class demands on that student. And uh, John, like, like in terms of, you know, uh, providing supports to students, what do you think that, like, do you, you know, can you, you recommend any supports that, that, that you know, that you feel should, should be in, in included in the, uh, the, you know, the education system for students who stutters? Is there any uh, the deficits at the moment that you can uh, think of? Yeah, so I, I know that, uh, Greg, that we talk about the iceberg quite a bit, your, yourself and I, and we talk about all those uh, ne negative em emotions that those students feel, um, those sorts of things. And I know that we have the support group with uh, the NLSA. So it, it may not, it, depending on the student's age, it, um, it may not be appropriate for that student to go to the support group, but the parent of that student could potentially go to the support group. I mean, outside of providing the direct th therapy and, uh, and dealing with the parents and the teachers in school, uh, you know, we also have that support group thanks to the NLSA. So I have actually um, directed parents to the support group um, in the past. Uh, some of them have expressed interest. So you know, there may be a, a rural support group in the future, right? If I get enough uh, parents and if I get enough older students who are uh, interested in such a group, you know, the high school students, or you know, and and you know, I'm you know, I'm I'm wondering, Jonathan, if if you can share, are there any concerns with you know? continuing treatment during gaps like uh, uh, breaks like Easter break school breaks during the summer do you feel that there there is a challenge there there's a need that should be met and you know do, does that affect the treatment the, the, the continuation of the treatment in terms of the break I know that the health care authorities they also have uh, treat treat treatment blocks and they have uh, breaks actually set into the it's actually planned into the, the, the treatment block. So the way I see it is, you know, we do have a summer vacation. And if you're dealing with a student who stutters, then you can potentially give them some activities to complete over the summer. Um, a lot, you know, with, with the, the, the parents, like I, I just feel that, um, you know, like the healthcare authorities, they also have the breaks, uh, put in there as well for those students. I don't feel like a break would be that detrimental to, um, to flu fluency from a personal standpoint. As long as you know the parents are completing some of those activities at home with, with that student, you know, you, you provide them with um, a workbook of some sort to, uh, with the ac activities in the workbook and they're completing them at home, I feel like it'll be okay. Or, for example, you're dealing with an older student and uh, you want that student to complete some telephone activities over the summer using their fluency enhancing techniques, right? That might be a good idea if they're at that point in the therapy where, where they're able to do that. So you would, you know, you would do up um, 
activity book for, for that student. They would go home, they would complete those activities and, and then you would make them aware, um, you know, you would say, okay, I want you to use these techniques as much as you, you possibly can over the summer um, around your friends in person, maybe on the phone. Uh, you can rate yourself, you know, on a scale from one to 10. How well did you apply the, um, the blending technique during your telephone chat? Right. And they, they can rate it. Like there's a, there's a, a variety of things that you can do during those breaks for, for, for those students. Like, you know, uh, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're a student, uh, you know, you're, you know, your students that you work with Jonathan, now they're, you know, they're in elementary or high school. I know that. And, and the reason why I'm asking is like, is, is there any difficulty with transitioning from like say, um, elementary to high school, you know what I mean? Is, is there, when, you, when you're working with a student? Yes, I mean, if you're dealing with a fluency student, then that student would continue to receive uh, di direct support from, you know, uh, that, that student would continue to receive that support in high school. And most students would actually continue to receive that support. It all depends on um, what you're dealing with, I guess. Um, but in the case of a fluency disorder, that student would, would uh, continue to receive direct support from the, the SLP. And so you, you know, so, so you, you would meet with, you know, with the parent, with the, uh, with the parent and the, uh, the, uh, the new SLP teachers just to make this transition easier. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, I certainly would in terms of a fluency disorder yes i would i would uh, have a conversation with the parents and i would talk to the te teacher as well to ensure that the transition is smooth to high school i mean this you know this is great support jonathan excellent support caitlin i wonder if you have some questions for jonathan lots <laughs> uh i kind of want to flip back to like your personal experience as a person who stutters what I'm wondering is, um, like, what was your graduate school experience like? Like, we talk a lot about, like, disclosing whether, like, disclosing your stutter to people or not, like, being a covert or over stutter and things like that. What was that like in a graduate speech-language pathology program? Well, I felt, I felt like my graduate school experience was great. I made a lot of great friends. And, um, you know, I had to get up there and present in front of class many times. And, uh, you know, we all just used to have a good laugh, right? <laughs> you know, like I would, I would, I would, I, I disclosed that at the beginning of the year, you know, my name is John Gerson. I'm a person who stutters. And I mean, I, I felt like my graduate school experience was probably my best experience as a person who stutters. Um, I didn't really, and I felt like that's where I really started to gain my confidence in graduate school. Prior to that, not so much. Not so much in university as an undergrad. Uh, a lot of students really didn't understand that much about my my speech issue, I guess. And prior to that, there was a lot of harassment and bullying, you know, like in high school, primary, elementary. I, I didn't I, I can't say I had a really good school experience per se with the bullying and the teasing and stuff like that. But in terms of grad school, I thought it was great. 
I loved it. I loved every second of graduate school. And that's where I really, uh, I, and I really found out that, you know, I was meant to be an SLP. Um, and another question, uh, sort of related, sort of not, uh, as like someone who's looking to become an SLP and there's plenty of people out there who are SLPs and want to be able to provide services, um, for people who stutter, obviously we can't do it is as well as someone who's lived that experience, but what advice would you have as somebody who's been through the speech therapy and someone who's provided it as well? What advice would you have for potential future SLPs? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. I don't know. Um, I guess, I guess the best thing for potential future SLPs in terms of de dealing with kids who stutter is to actually sit on in on some of these support group meeting meetings that the NLSA has or uh, other organizations across Canada, right? Um, I, I feel like I have learned a ton of new info from the, the people in the support group. Um, they've certainly expanded my understanding of uh, speech disfluency and its uh, effects on, you know, the emotional state of a person, those sorts of things like the lower, like the lower part of the iceberg, the stuff that's on the bottom. You just need to expose yourself to as many people who, uh, who stutter as you possibly can. And just that's the only way you're going to get a true understanding of what it feels like to be a person who stutters or a person with um, a communication disorder as well. Right. So that extends into that realm as well. You know, if you want to get a good understanding of aphasia, then you would probably want to be around uh, pe people who have lived it or who are going through it still. You know, that extends into the other realms that extends into the other do domains, I guess. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. Treating a whole person, not just. Oh, the other whole person. That's yeah, for sure. Right. Just don't, don't, don't treat the, the stutter. I, like I don't, I don't a, a advocate for a, a pure, a purely like flu fluency sh shaping pro program because I, I don't feel like it works. I really don't feel like it works. Right. Because you have all those emotions that are underneath that iceberg that you have not dealt with, but okay. You shape the, uh, a person's speech. So they're more fluent but that person probably still feels like crap, right? Like I did. I went through the shape, the shape, the shaping and stuff at one point, and it, it didn't really work for me that much. Uh, this was prior to me seeing the SLP um, at uh, Western Health. I took a, a shaping program and it didn't, uh, it wasn't that great, you know, like, okay, so I learned how to shape my speech so that I could be more fluent, right? But all those emotions were still there. I still felt like crap all the time. I didn't know how to deal with it. You know, I wasn't a confident guy, but you know, I was here and I had all my techniques. Great. That's amazing. I can be fluent when I want to be, but I'm still like, I'm still a bit of a pessimist. I just feel terrible all the time, you know, and I'm, I'm stuttering quite freely here today. I'm not using my fluency enhancing techniques as I, I usually do. And this is this is what I wanted to do this morning. I just want to show everyone that, you know, I do have a stutter. Uh, I'm not controlling it in any way today. I'm slowing my speech rate down a little tiny bit, but I'm also let, letting those 
disfluencies go a little bit and you see a little bit of that eye twitching going on there that's what i do usually that's a famous uh, john garson stuttering thing to do <laughs> well if if if, if uh, caitlin has, has no more questions john uh, do, do you have any questions for us now to give you an opportunity to ask us questions um hmm Opportunity to ask you guys questions. I'm being put on the spot here now. Uh, Greg, I guess, I don't know if you, you went into this before, but uh, prior to receiving uh, speech therapy, how severe was your stutter? And uh, what primary symptoms did you um, express? Um, were, were you more of a blocker or a sound repeater or, you know? Because I'm not entirely sure. I know that I know that you do repeat sounds. You're a lot like myself, and uh, you do block from time to time. But I, I haven't. Yeah. Okay, uh, John. I mean, uh, I you know like a, I've oh I've always had 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 a severe stuttering problem, and uh, but it's interesting when I was growing up in Gander, Newfoundland, and uh, the various places we live, I've always was was a very I was always stayed in the corner, so. I knew something was wrong, but but I didn't talk, so I always tried to hide and, and avoid talking. But 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 you know, but to to give an example of the severity of my stuttering, I remember when I first moved uh, moved away from home. I mean, so so being out in the real world, I could not hide my stuttering, and uh, so so I remember when you know when when you know when 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 people used to ask me what my name is, for example, I used to say I had this habit of starting off my Stuttering with, I used to reach up, you know, let's say, John, you, you asked me what, what my name was. I would look, look up at the ceiling, point my hand up at the ceiling and say, look now, 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 look now. And can you imagine the looks that I got just, just to get one word out? So, right. so, uh, so actually quite, it was a really severe stuttering and compared to then and even now sort of thing, there, there's no, no comparison. Right. Yeah, that sounds that sounds pretty 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 rough, Greg. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, K Caitlin, I have a question to ask you as well. Uh, I know that you're interested in going into the field of SLP. Um, are there certain groups or pop populations who you would like to work uh, more with or exclusively with? And do you want to work in healthcare or do you want to work with school school system? Um, it's a good question. Uh, I definitely think that I want to work more so with children and definitely more so in the realm of like, uh, speech disorders, communication disorders. I'm not in big into the dysphagia or swallowing anything like that. Yeah. And I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think right off the bat, I'd like to work in the school system, but I have big dreams of, uh, getting my master's in counseling as well and opening a practice where I can apply both speech techniques and counseling techniques and kind of do a, kind of a whole collaborative thing treating primarily people who stutter people with disability disorders but just anybody in general children with communication disorders wow i mean that's great and that's where um and that's where you need to be especially if you're dealing with a person who stutters as well because you know like I'm not, I'm not afraid to talk about my me mental health either, but I mean, I did see a, a counselor at one point in my life because I was 
struggling with quite a bit of anxiety as a result of my speech impediment. So, I mean, I think that's where it needs to be. And um, that's why the NLSA has a support group, right, right, Greg, to help um, people who stutter work through these emotions as well. So the fact that you want to be an SLP and a, a counselor is great. I mean, I, I feel like you'll, you'll do a great job with, with all who stutter. So awesome. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. We, you know, really appreciate it. And, 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 you know, like I'm finding that, you know, you know, we, you know, we learned so much, Caitlin and I learned so much from, from the various guests on our podcast. It's, it's, it's amazing how, how much we do not know about stuttering and when we're continuously learning, just the listening to people who stutter's lived experiences, you know? And, and non-stutterers as well then. Okay, thanks a lot, Jonathan. Take care no now. Problem. You guys have a good day. Some Stutter Love, Newfoundland and Labrador's first podcast about stuttering has so much to talk about. Let's start listening. This has been an episode of Some Stutter La, Newfoundland and Labrador's first podcast about stuttering. Some Stutter La is hosted and produced by Greg O'Grady, Caitlin Mayo, Dr. Paul Decker, and Luca Dino. Some Stutter La is available on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. To ask a question, send us a comment or suggestion, or just get in touch. Find us online at Some Stutter Podcast on Instagram or Some Stutter Love Pod on Facebook. Thank you for listening.